Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Death by Incarceration presents, in association with Crawl Space Media, Injustice, a new wrongful conviction podcast with a focus on advocacy. Emmanuel Rios and Angel Rodriguez are each serving life sentences for the 1987 murder of Sean Nelson, despite the existence of evidence that could have cleared them had it not been withheld at their trial. Now that our production team has obtained that previously lost evidence, Will it be enough to write an injustice of more than 30 years? It's crazy because there's a confession. <laughs> there's a confession. He did confess. It's recorded. It's on a tape. Injustice. Welcome back. Episode two. Hey, Lisa. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. So we don't need to do a full recap. I mean, people people aren't starting with episode two. Anyone who is listening at this point, we can assume, has listened to episode one and is all caught up. Right? I agree. Okay. Well, let's at least do a rundown of the players involved. There are some minor characters who will figure into this story as we move along. But from the top down, we have June and Spanky. The street names for Emmanuel Rios and Angel Rodriguez. The, the reason that we are doing this podcast, in prison for a murder they did not commit. Next, we have Romance MacArthur on tape, confessed to said murder, the killing of Sean Nelson, our victim. We have Roger King, the, try to be diplomatic here, the colorful and controversial district attorney who tried the case. And we have a Charles Peruto Jr., a defense attorney who at different times uh, represented both defendants. He wasn't representing anyone at the trial, but he is a factor in a significant way as, among other things, a witness for the defense. Now, as of this taping, Mr. Peruto has agreed, in principle, to come on our show. I reached out to him three or four days ago, uh, explaining exactly what we're doing. This is not intended to be an ambush or anything. He knows exactly what we're doing. Uh, we want to talk to anyone who was involved in the case, and we've talked to several witnesses already. So if he will come on and give us his thoughts on the case, mo- most specifically as it relates to June, he was only Spanky's lawyer for just a minute. But would he want to come on and talk about a person who he represented for a little while prior to this case before going to trial, and Emmanuel Rios? And he actually responded really quite quickly. His exact words were, I'm in. I never forgot about him. So he is in campaign mode, so his schedule is understandably packed. But he said he will come on, and there is no reason to think that that won't happen. Lisa, 
that's kind of a big deal. I mean, getting getting Peruto to agree to come on the show is, is a real boon for us, I won't lie. We're episode two in a candidate for DA in the city of Philadelphia has agreed to an interview. So what would that mean for this case going forward? Like, What can, what can we learn from A. Charles Peruto? Well, Mr. Peruto was a major player in the case, you know, whether he really intended to be or not. He was June's attorney. He did take a taped confession from Romance MacArthur. He testified during this trial, which is quite unusual for an attorney to be called and testify at a trial. Hearing his impressions of Romance MacArthur, hearing his impressions about Emmanuel Rios, and hearing what he thought of what Romance confessed to in his office that day could be incredibly helpful. I was very, I was encouraged by him saying that he never forgot about June. And with the climate of things in Philadelphia as they are now, his advocacy or his support of Emmanuel Rios and in turn Angel Rodriguez could be very beneficial to them. If he believes that what Romance MacArthur said was true, then I, I think him coming on this show and speaking the truth about what his experience was is, is a fantastic thing. I wish more people were willing to do it. That other voice you're hearing, of course, is Lisa Spees, my co-host. Hi, Lisa. Uh, my name is Spencer Daniels, and you're listening to Injustice. Quick disclaimer, we, we are not trying to influence an election by any means. Uh, we're not trying to make anyone look good or bad. We fully believe the residents of Philadelphia need to get out and vote for who they think will do a good job for their city. Death by incarceration. They had Larry Krasner on. We're trying to get Peruto on, so City of Philadelphia, do what you think is best for you. So we touched on it previously in the in episode one, but let's get right into this confession. So after the after the murder, after Sean Nelson's murder, the police start their investigation and they round up all the usual suspects, everyone involved in the with the drug trade at 8th and Butler at the time. They bring them all in for questioning, and maybe it's hindsight 2020, but we've, we've read the statements, we've read the testimony. There, there should have really only been one suspect, right? Don't you think? No, of course. I mean, the facts of the case are very clear. Yeah, and, and we'll break down all the, all the statements next episode, and despite what we think, I mean, the cops should have had an open and shut case, but... But at a certain point in the investigation, Emmanuel Rio starts to believe that the police like him for this murder. And he's getting pulled over. He's getting detained, harassed, questioned. So he contacts his, at the time, attorney. I called my lawyer at the time, A. Charles Prudhoe Jr. And I tell him, I say, Chuck, I got to come see you. So I go visit him the next day. And I tell him what happened. The police interviewed me, and I said, Chuck, they think I have something to do with this. He says, well, do you know who did it? I said, yeah, I know who did it. He said, well, do you think he'll come in? I said, I'll ask him. So I go ask Romance MacArthur. I say, hey, Rome, hey Ro, we call him Ro. I say, Ro, you know, Chuck wants to see you, and he wants to know whether you'll be willing to give a confession, a tape confession. So he said, sure, he'll go down and do it. Mm -hmm. So he went down. And he gave the tape confession. All right. This is H. Ross Jr. So, 
Thursday, October 15, 1987. It is now about 17 minutes or 18 minutes before 5 o'clock p.m. With me in my office is Emmanuel Rios, R-I-O-S, who is a witness that I'm going to ask to leave because he is my client that I represent. Represented in the past, and I'm representing on a case concerning a homicide. Also with me is what's your name? Romance. Huh? Romance. Romance. R M A N C E. What's your last name? MacArthur. MacArthur or MacArthur? M C capital A R T H U R. Okay. Now, uh, I'm not going to shut this tape recorder off for any reason, but I just want to look back at the reflect that Emmanuel Rios left the room. Am I correct? You're going to have to talk nice and loud uh, so that everything gets taken down into the recorder. Okay? Uh, Romance, how old are you? 18. All right. I'm going to ask you a few questions concerning a homicide. Just answer to the best of your ability. But before I uh, take a statement from you, I want to tell you a few things. I have never met you before, never questioned you before. Am I correct? Right. As a matter of fact, I haven't even asked you the name of the deceased in this case yet. Am I correct? Right. However, I want to tell you this. The only purpose of this statement is an aid or a tool for me to go make a further investigation. I do not work for the police department, and I do not have your permission to turn this statement over to anyone. Am I correct? Yes. I am doing this solely and completely for the benefit of Emmanuel Rios, and as I told you, uh, all I want is the truth from you, okay? Yes. How old are you? Tell me in your own words exactly what happened, keeping in mind that I cannot use a statement for any purpose. You mean what happened to him? Yeah. He was killed, shot in the head. Right. Did Emmanuel Rios have anything to do with that at all? No. Did he hire anyone to do that at all? No. Did anyone pay you anything in order to get you to say that? No. Did anyone threaten you in any way to get you to say that? No. Now, Emmanuel Rios uh, drove you down here today, am I correct? Yeah. Uh, I'm only asking you, I mean, if it's not correct, I don't want you to say that. I'm asking you because I presume that you came in together. You did, in fact, come in together, am I correct? Yes. Um, I've already explained to you that I am his lawyer, and I wanted to take a statement from you to make sure that he had nothing to do with this, am I correct? Yes. Yeah. You had nothing to do with it? No. Uh, do you know what the shooting was about? No. Alright. What, what do you mean? Now, hold on a second. You, you, you've indicated that you want me to shut the recorder off at this time, right? Correct? Yes. Right, I'm going to mark the time. You want me to shut the recorder off. And it's the time is now 14 minutes before 5. This is an unusual occurrence, right? Like, I know people in my, in my past who have participated in the sale and distribution of drugs. One thing that I've never heard of, one, is putting an identifying piece of blue tape on on a bag of drugs. That's weird. That's what they did at that time. Don't understand it, but that's fine. Another thing, I would never... Okay, I've never killed anybody. I want to go... I'd like to go on record. I've never killed anybody, but if I did... One thing I would never do is fucking tell anybody. So, romance even agreeing to go into 
a lawyer's office, let alone confess to a murder on tape, has to be a very unique thing. Is this anything you have ever run across? No. Getting someone to confess or someone having feelings about what they did and saying something or incriminating themselves to people they know, possibly family members or girlfriends, that is relatively common, I would say. Someone who has murdered someone, whether it be an accident or not, if agreeing to go into a lawyer's office and agreeing to give a taped statement is just completely remarkable. Nothing about it makes any sense whatsoever. The only thing about it to me that I would say maybe motivated him was that it was a show of loyalty to June and that they had been involved in these illegal acts together. He was still relying on the income from the Blue Tape gang, in turn from June and Spanky. And so if he didn't go, he probably felt like he would be on the outs, which I think would be you know, a realistic like assumption of what's going to happen down the road. He had been reassured probably by, well, definitely by Peruto, and I'm sure by June, that this statement would never be used against him in any way. And I think him going in there, he probably just wanted to believe that and stay on the right side of things with June. The time is now five minutes of five. Let the right to record reflect that we just had a conversation concerning my ability to use this tape which concerned you, am I correct? And I assured you that this would go nowhere out of my office. As a matter of fact, it would be locked in my office and will never be authenticated by me. That means I will never testify as to what it is if it is found by anyone in that unlikely event, you understand? Now, what was it the CC? Sean Nelson. Okay. You told me off the record that you had shot Sean, but it was an accident, am I correct? I don't want to put any words in your mouth. As a matter of fact, I'll let you tell me. I didn't tell you about it, correct? Tell me what happened. you got to figure out so that you can hear it. Tell me what happened to the best of your ability. Well, I was driving down a, a dark road, and I pulled the gun out, and I tried to scare Sean, and it just went off. I, yeah, was this an automatic or a revolver? An automatic. What size automatic? A 380. 380 automatic? Yes. Did you know that there was a bullet in the chamber? No. What was the purpose of uh, pointing the gun at him? Just to scare him. All right. Uh, I take it then, by when you say just to scare him, that you never meant to kill anyone? No. You better say that nice and loud. No, I never did. You never meant to kill him? No. Did you mean to shoot him in any way? No. All right, now. How close was he to you when he was shot? About three inches. Okay. You mean from the gun? Yeah. Okay, he was about three or four inches from the gun? Yeah. So then there would be powder burns on his head. There would be powder burst in the gun powder. He shot. Well, I guess you don't know anything about that stuff. Right. Generally, I'm telling you now that the police can determine if it's three feet or less from what they have as paraffin tests. But I'll talk about that later, okay? Was he in a sitting position, standing position, kneeling position? Sitting. Sitting? Yeah. Was he sitting upright? Yes. Were you sitting upright? Yes. Did you, did you shoot him with your left hand or your right hand? My right hand. 
Were you driving at the time, like physically moving? Yes. Did he go for the gun or try to rob it from you? No. Did he think you were serious at that time? No. Did any of the blood squirt into the car? Take it, you clean the glove in the car? Yeah. All right. Did you clean it off? Yeah. Uh, what areas of the car did you clean? On the side. Not where the like, seatbelt come out at. So, like, the whole thing is. All right, the pillar. It's a four door car? Yeah. Four door car, so it's like the middle between the front window and the back window. Yeah. All right. What'd you do? Clean up blood off of that? Yes. All right. Uh, you did this all at the same time, right after the top of the body? Before you dump the body after. Yeah. All right. This was a total accident, then, am I correct? Yeah. Did you clean the seats? Yeah. Okay, were there any blood on the seats? No. Did you clean them out of proportion? Yeah. All right. I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that correct? Yeah. All right, now, where did you dump the body? On the side road. Is that where, where, the, where the police found it? Yes. How do you know where the police found it? Frito swears up and down that he'll never use the tape with the caveat unless romance ever recants it says June told him or paid him to kill Sean Nelson stay tuned for how that one turns out but uh, but he'll never use he'll never authenticate this tape the tape is only to protect his client Emmanuel Rios now was he saying that as he will later testify using tactics employed by detectives where you, where you can lie and deceive and cheat do anything you can in pursuit of a confession for the benefit of your client or was there some truth to what he was saying did, did he did he intend to never use this tape do you have an opinion from my perspective he was doing whatever he could to protect his client Emmanuel Rios and so if he had to try to make romance MacArthur feel comfortable by telling him we'll never use this against you then I can understand him doing that and he is not romance's attorney he doesn't have any obligation to romance to hide or conceal these things and he's he's June's attorney he's trying to keep him from getting pulled into this murder investigation that he had nothing to do with I believe Peruto's testimony that of course he was going to use this and we know that he also wrote a letter at one point to the homicide division notifying them that he had this tape so to me the totality of everything that went down it's very strange but at least from the perspective of the confession to when he wrote that letter he was doing what he should have done for his client you say that this was an accident i take it then that emmanuel rios had nothing to do with hiring you to do this now you had told me off the record that this man had sold small quantities of drugs in the past am i correct is it that the deceased? Yeah. What do you mean by small, small quantity? We used to sell, you know, drugs, cocaine. Cocaine? Yeah. When you say small quantities, you mean like 10, 10 pieces, 10 dollar pieces, 20 dollar pieces? Alright. Alright. You understand that the police have one theory, and so far I've heard three theories from the police, but the police have one theory that you killed them for someone else. Is that correct or incorrect? That is, you were hired to do it. Is that true? That's what they said? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying, is that true? Regardless of what they said. Did you hire, were you hired to kill this man? No. Okay. It was a total accident? Yeah. 
car? What was he doing in your car? He was just going for a ride. You know, just, you know, just playing this game. Uh, where's your car now? It's in the um, city examining. 26 and Master? Yes. The impound lot? Yes. Okay. And that car is available to you, but you don't want to go down there because you're being hassled, you told me? Yes. Is that your words or my words? My words. Okay. Has anybody promised you anything in order to give you this statement? Give this statement? No. Has anybody threatened you? No. Has anybody beat your face in or anything like that? No. Has anybody told you you could catch a beating if you don't do it? No. You're doing this at your own free will? Yes. Anybody bribe you to do it? No. Anybody, you know, you know, pay you some money or no. promise to pay you money? No. Can you please know where you are now? No. Where are you? Well, I don't put that on the record. You're still in Philadelphia, though? How old are you? 18. Would this, would this be your first adult arrest? No. Okay. How many times do you think you were found guilty as a juvenile? The best of your recollection. We'll pick it up on the other side of this break as we listen to a word from today's sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah, so it's it's not for us, not for me to say whether or not he had any type of obligation to turn that confession over because romance wasn't his client. But that's like I said, that's not for that's not for us to say. So romance tells Peruto that June knew nothing about the murder, and and by the way, to this point, Spanky's name is never even mentioned; has not come up yet. Romance, acting alone, picked up Sean in his car, his two-tone brown and beige Ford Escort with the big speakers in the back. A car that everyone on the block knew. A, a detail that I only point out now because it will come back later. But everybody on the block knew this car. Sean gets in Romance's car. They drive out to... As we said before, Snake Hill Road, Juniata Park. Along the way, at some point, Romance pulls out a 380 automatic in an alleged attempt to just scare Sean. But the gun goes off, firing a single bullet through Sean's head. Romance dumps the body where it's later discovered. And that's the basis for the whole confession. Uh, and we touched on this in, in episode one. I mean, there, there are... There are some other factors in in the whole confession. There's, there's the stretch of time that the recorder was turned off. Despite saying in the beginning that he 
would not do that. But that's but that's basically it. And by the way, nine minutes is a long time. Perudo's testimony later was that Romance asked him to turn off just to qualify that the killing was an accident. That took nine minutes? That seems that seems long. Could it could I mean it does seem like a long period of time, but he p- was probably also reassuring him that, look, just tell me the truth about what happened and this isn't going to be used against you. I mean, it does seem suspect, but at the same time, we have to keep our minds open to maybe it was exactly what Mr. Peruto says it was. M- maybe it wasn't, but we at least have to consider that that's a possibility. I can imagine that romance in his mind as he's giving this confession is probably going back and forth and saying, am I being an idiot here? Should I be doing this? And maybe not. And I think that really, if it had gone down the way it should have gone down, Peruto played this perfectly because he got a confession for who actually murdered Sean Nelson, which becomes more significant as we get into some of these other statements that romance MacArthur made to people that he knew when they were all incarcerated. Right. Yeah, and, and I think when you listen to the the confession, I, I think there is that moment that it dawns on romance. Am I being set up? Is, you know, he, when he stops uh, mid-sentence and gets Peruto to turn off the recorder. So I think, I think yeah, I think that did occur to him. It's Emmanuel Rios, or any other person for that matter, promised or threatened or coerced you in any way, shape, or form for you to give this statement? No. Did he hire you to kill anybody ever? No. This killing was a complete and total accident? Yes. Is there anything you would like to add to the statement that I have not asked you? No. Have you been questioned by the police yet? Yes. What did you tell them? I told them that I didn't do it. Uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time. Did, she go, did they go question your girlfriend? Yes. Did she back you up? Yes. What's the name of your girlfriend? Brooke. Brooke? Yes. Brooke what? Brooke Holmes. Okay. Let's speak loud. Um, why did you tell the police you didn't do it rather than it was an accident? Because I didn't want to go to jail. All right. All right. Would it be a fair statement to correct me if I'm wrong? You told them that because you were scared? But the truth is, it was an accident. Yes. Did they tell you that you're still under investigation? Yes. Did they tell you that anybody saw you driving with the deceased? They said that he was last seen in my car. That's what they said. Do you know who told them that? No. Well, evidently their information is correct. Right, is that correct? Whoever's telling him that knows what's going on, am I correct? He was in the car, am I correct? Yeah, but I know that nobody's seen him. I look? Do you know where the information are coming up with this idea there? Where the police are coming up with this idea? Because he was like a little brother to me. Oh, he was always with you? Yeah. Alright, see, I don't know anything about this case, so you have to tell me. Alright. You were with him pretty often? No, not for Before he was killed, the, the last month or two. You know, we really wanted to together. Did you go to the funeral or the funeral? Yes. You did go? Yeah. I'm advising you, and I'm saying this on the tape recorder. Well, I 
guess I can't be in a position to give you any advice. But I can only tell you that I will not use this tape against you in any way. I'm not going to give this tape to the police, and I'm going to stick to my word. All right? It's just simply to help out Emmanuel Rhodes to make sure that you don't claim at a later time that he hired you to do it. You understand? Yes. And I told you completely and truthfully that that was the purpose of the statement. Am I correct? Yes. Alright, the time is now uh, six minutes after five. And I'm going to shut the tape off. So, after this, fast forward one year, Romance gets locked up on a separate murder charge. A murder that, and this is important, June was involved in. He he handed Romance a gun to go, go, quote, see a guy, not knowing that Romance was going to kill him, but he did. He killed a guy. We don't want to gloss over this murder, but we don't need to get into all the details except that June handed him a gun. Romance used it to kill someone. The murder will come to be very important. It does become very important, but we should also make it clear that it's a third-degree murder charge that Emmanuel Rios is facing at this point. He wasn't there when the crime was committed. He didn't know what he was going to do with the gun. Um, But, of course, someone was killed, and and that's not an insignificant point. He had an incident with somebody, and he asked me for a gun. So he said he wanted to go see the guy. So when we pull up, I have my little brother in the car with another young guy in the back, and uh, he jumps out of the car and kills the guy. Like, we didn't know he was going to jump out of the car and do it, but he did. That's the third-degree case. Okay. So I pled to that. Right. Now, the reason that's a, that the reason that's a, that's a third-degree and it's a life sentence is because of the first-degree case. Other than that, the maximum at the time, the statutory maximum, was 10 to 20. So... Uh, the case that I'm fighting now, you know, and, and claim my innocence on is this Sean Nelson murder. So, Romance, now, while he's locked up for this murder, confides in at least two people that we know of, two people who will later go on to testify at trial. And, and we have other witness testimony, but we bring up these two right now because they fully corroborate romance's confession just to keep things in context of the confession we wanted to talk about these two and they seem pretty consistent so first we have bienvenido morales aka baby rock romance confessed to him baby rock under oath says it happened exactly like romance's confession quote he said when he pulled out the gun he ain't mean to shoot him He just pulled out the gun, pointed it towards his head, and the gun went off, end quote. And I'm not going to lie, Lisa. Reading reading court transcripts can sometimes be pretty dry, but I swear to you I could feel emotion reading Baby Rock's testimony when the, the defense is questioning him, making sure he wasn't promised anything to be there, he wasn't threatened to come in and testify, didn't have a grudge against Roger King for some previous encounter, just that Sean Nelson was his good friend and he wanted to see justice done. So talk to me about that and the 
reliability of a jailhouse confession? Well, I think it's important to recognize in this case that Baby Rock knew Sean and knew Romance and knew June and knew Spanky. So these weren't people that were unfamiliar with each other. It sounds to me like they wanted to, well, they say in the testimony, Baby Rock says in the testimony, he was friends with Sean. He wanted to know what happened to him. And so he talked to Romance about that. And this is the answer that Romance gave. And if you didn't do it or you're not involved and you know that Baby Rock is friends with Sean Nelson, why are you going to confess to something that you didn't do? You know, jailhouse snitches or jailhouse confessions can often be problematic for a lot of reasons. This isn't a typical jailhouse confession, what I would consider. But to me, it corroborates everything that he said to Peruto and probably others as well up to this point. And so it corroborates what Peruto is also staying on the stand. So even if you don't believe Peruto in and of itself, you have this secondary person who has no reason to get up there and lie that tells the exact same story to the jury. And then we go, we go on to Dennis Burgess, who goes by Hector Rios and Pee Wee. And it sounds to me in the testimony that Pee Wee was much better friends with Sean Nelson than any one of the witnesses that we've heard from so far. Yeah. And w- on a walk in the yard, Pee-wee asks Romance what happened. And Romance MacArthur says that he did it, but he didn't want to talk about it. And again, you know, I mean, you know from the testimony that he's good friends with Sean Nelson. They were close. And so again, why would he be confessing to this and then coming off and saying, but I don't, you know, I, I did it, but I don't want to talk about it. To me, it sounds like in both of those confessions, he has some kind of remorse or he feels some kind of way about what happened. I don't know that I necessarily believe it was an accident, but I do think he has feelings about what happened. And yet he's still willing to, he's still confessing to this to multiple people. Yeah, no, I I agree that he does seem to have some sense of remorse about it if he's going around telling these people who are like you said, clearly friends of Sean. You know, why else? Why, w- why would you do that? But, okay. So this this is where things start to get a little spicy. Prior to getting locked up, Romance had started a relationship with Spanky's girlfriend. Uh, she's cheating on Spanky with Romance. She leaves and now they are together and whatever her motivation Griselle Rodriguez aka Itchy tells Romance that Spanky is the one who told the cops where he was and that's how they found him so now Romance starts cooperating and tells the homicide detectives oh by the way I have some information about the Sean Nelson murder so he tells her, tell that fat motherfucker I got something for him. Right after he hangs up, he gets in contact with Homicide and tells them, hey, you know that Homicide from two years ago? I got information on it. Anyways, so Romance, as an act of revenge, retribution, whatever you want to call it, because of this girl, Itchy, says Spanky did this murder. June and Spanky, I was with him. Now this becomes the story. Keep in mind, 
Spanky never knew about the murder. Spanky was basically blindsided. No, the second time I walked in, like I said, and he said, um, Roman said that you was the one that killed him. And, uh, so I said, man, stop playing, man. I mean, y'all playing with me, right? He said, no, nah, Spank, we're going to book you today. And at that moment, they turned around, they uh, put the handcuffs on me, took me down to the, um, to the booking area, but in the, in the elevator, it was this Italian um, homicide detective. I said, listen, you know I ain't do this. And he put his head down on me because he couldn't believe it either. So when Spanky gets arrested, who does he hire as his lawyer but A. Charles Rudo? Same lawyer with a taped confession of the actual murderer. But he never tells Spanky that. Never mentions the tape. Ne- goes so far as to s- tell Spanky to waive his pre-trial hearing. So they go directly to trial, and this is basically how Spanky is learning about the charges against him. And like I said earlier, Peruto didn't end up representing Spanky at the trial, but he now becomes a witness for the defense. And when called to the stand and told to produce the tape, he lost it. In fact, he had Spanky waive his preliminary hearing. So now Spanky moves on from Peruto, and uh, now we go to trial. When we go to trial, we call Peruto as a defense witness to produce the tape. When he gets on the stand, he says, I lost the tape. But he presents a transcription of the tape. So we brought in the transcript. We brought, brought in the transcription of the tape, presented it to the court, and... We had cross-examined uh, romance based on that transcription. Now, in Roger King's opening statement to the jury, he says, you will hear about a tape. And this was made by romance as a show as a show of loyalty to Emmanuel Rios. So he said that was his reason for giving this tape confession. So he had a transcript. So he read the transcript. After we got found guilty and all that, years later, uh, um, he turned it over to John T. Droz. He said he found it in his father's um, safe and turned it over to John T. Droz. That was my attorney at trial. So I think Droz seen somebody from my family and said, listen, I got the tape. So my family hired a private investigator, Mark Schaefer, and he went and retrieved it from um, John T. Droz. Okay. That's right. Five years after the trial, after the single best piece of evidence mysteriously goes missing, just before the trial. Five years later, the tape turns up in Prudos possession. Question for you, Lisa. Why the hell was Peruto not jumping up and down? Like, at the trial, don't let these guys go to prison because of my mistake, losing this tape, to five years later when it turns up and for the last 25 years since by his own words, Peruto, quote, never forgot about this guy. I mean, we don't really know. It is very, it is very suspect. It is very strange to me. You know, I said earlier that I was encouraged by what he said of not forgetting Emmanuel and Angel and the case. Um, but at the same time, it's like, if you knew that this other man had confessed, why weren't you on your soapbox this whole time beating the drum of saying, 
look, another guy confessed to this and he said these things to other people as well. And I don't believe these two guys committed this murder. I mean, we're all, uh, I know this sounds idealistic, but we're all in this for justice, right? So it's, it's, it's disheartening that June and Spanky have been kind of locked away and forgotten about until this point. I don't know the reason why Peruto hasn't been more forthcoming or more open or more talkative about the case. I, I hope that the podcast and the interview he does with us changes that. I hope that this is an opportunity for him to put his name out there behind these two guys and say, I don't think they did this. You know, it's a perfect opportunity. So we'll see how that goes. We've never, we've never uh, heard from him again after that trial. And uh, the, like I said, the five years after uh, after the trial, he turned over the tape to uh, Spanky's lawyer, and we've never heard anything from him again. I actually think that is a good place to stop for this week. Next time, on the next episode, we'll, we will get into eyewitness statements, uh, additional testimony from some people we haven't heard from yet, the, the evidence, including an autopsy and pathologist report that shows some pretty stunning details uh, that would seem to prove conclusively that the whole Dan story was never possible. Basically, we're moving on from the the more emotional aspects of this of the case to the technical, which for me is exciting. And and romance starts writing letters to June. Some really good stuff coming up. Of course, all our all of our best laid plans could be put on hold if we are able to schedule this interview with Mr. Peruto. We might slide that in between episodes. Um, we'll, we're going to have to we're just wait and see how how that turns out. But who knows? But we're we're crossing our fingers that all goes as planned. So instead of boring you with with numbers at the end of this episode, here is what I would like to do. Jumping right into our call to action, we encourage you to reach out to us. Have you had any dealings with these guys, with with King, with Peruto? I'd say good or bad experiences, but the name of our podcast is Injustice. Uh, it's in slash justice. Technically, it's Injustice. And good stories as far as stories with a positive or happy outcome do not necessarily a good podcast make. A very wise man said that one time just now. So find us at injusticepod.com. Both of our personal emails are there. Uh, We've got a contact form right at the bottom of the page. Email to info at injusticepod.com. There are a bunch of ways to get in touch with us let us know we'll we'll track all this stuff and maybe find some patterns and and see you know see what what else has gone on in the city of philadelphia in and around that area with with these guys other than that continue to tell people about this podcast rate us with all the stars write a write a review the more people that see this the more likely that we can make a difference and shed some light on this case and, you know, exoneration would be great. A new trial would be great. We're going to see what we can do. Lisa, any closing thoughts as we wrap up episode two? 
Uh, we just want to thank everyone for listening and please be on the lookout for a few more of our calls to action that will be online soon. We're planning a petition to be online, possibly a fundraiser account to be online sometime in the near future. All of the money that we raise would go directly back into the case for, for Emmanuel and Angel. So we're working on those things and we hope to have you more information soon about how you can be a part of this movement for justice. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time. The Injustice Podcast is brought to you in association with Death by Incarceration. Thank you to Crawlspace Media. Sound design, audio post-production, Jason Usry. Special thanks for original music to Bernaldo Rivaldi. Check out all his great stuff on iTunes and Spotify, Bandcamp, wherever you get your music. Please support independent artists. Right now is a, a real tough time for creatives. Go to InjusticePod.com for more information, including what are the great podcasts we are listening to. You can also find information to contact the hosts directly there. General inquiries can go to info at InjusticePod.com. Thank you for listening. This has been an Injustice Production.